This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. everyone. Welcome to the Jan Arden Podcast and Show. It is a new week. We are well into fall. I've already had like 18 pumpkin spice lattes. Caitlin Green is back. Week two of being back. And uh, we're feeling good. We're feeling like we're getting back into the groove. And uh, let's just hit the ground running because we have lots of things to talk about. And uh, listen, this isn't high on my list, but Caitlin is very... Listen, we're going to get reality TV stuff. We're probably going to get some overboard or underboard <laughs> shows or whatever those off board, on deck, on yachts. We're going to get some of that stuff. Joe Jonas and Sophie, whatever her last name is, Turner, <laughs> Turner. Sophie, Sophie Turner, they're getting divorced. I know. I don't know a lot about it. Sophie Turner, of course, very famous from Game of Thrones, 10 seasons of Game of Thrones. She was one of the main characters. Joe Jonas, part of the Jonas Brothers uh, royalty. He's one of the Joe bros. And they were a very beloved celebrity couple. So I think that's why this breakup has like hit the fandom of each of them kind of hard. And even like your regular person, I was talking about this on Chum this week. And everyone was like, we never saw this coming. They seem like such a great couple. And by all accounts, behind the scenes, like sources that I know who are kind of in the entertainment world, who've interviewed them, who've like sat beside them in L.A., like all this stuff. They say that this was a really happy, normal couple. And so the news was surprising. But then it really quickly spun into something that I think this is really what I want to talk about. It spins into tabloids uh, basically in a roundabout way, calling her a bad mom. That's not right. I mean, that, that, that should just be completely off the table. Exactly. It's crazy. It's a crazy thing to, to assess from the sidelines as a tabloid. And the spin was like, oh, she's a partier and he likes to stay home and he's been single parenting the kids. And I'm like, first of all, he's been on tour. So I don't know how he's been single parenting the kids on tour. And also, you know, this is not a narrative that pops up when uh, he goes on tour. This is not a narrative that pops up about, you know, men who work when they have kids or it just I don't feel like the same the same level of judgment applies. And I just become protective because I think it's such a damaging, horrible thing to say. First of all, they've been married four years. They're super famous people. I have no sympathy for either of them. So I'm just going to put that out there right now. Why bother getting married? You have two little <laughs> kids now, two little kids. And if, if, you, if you're going to sit and have conversations with these guys going, well, you know, he's, a go- he's gone so much and I'm working and we're trying traveling. We have separate lives. Listen, you guys are grown up ass adults. If you didn't see that coming when you got together, then there's something, there's just, there's either an immaturity there. I don't know if they're not living in uh, a reality. Joni... Joni, I know you're upset about the divorce, but it, you've got to stop. I, I just feel like, come on, guys. You you knew what the stakes were. And her her youngest child is 18 months old. I know. So obviously, you know, that this was very new in the marriage and they went ahead and had another child. Maybe mm-hmm. they thought that was going to be something that fixed the marriage. But I, I really don't. 
I don't have a lot of sympathy and a lot of, it's not respect. It's not like I disrespect them, but just come on. I mean, maybe you should have dated and seen the world and had some fun and zoomed around and been in love and excited. But there's there's a whole different thing that happens when there's children involved. And I feel bad for them. I don't think it's like right that the headlines are running with this assessment of the two of them as parents. No, it's not. Their relationship didn't work out. Like that's that's what it is. It happens all the time with famous people. It's like the least you know, rare headline about famous couples is that they break up. But and it's amicable. That, it's an amicable yeah. split. We both want it. And that's, so that piece of it, I'm like, can we stop with, like, can we try to keep the hands off of the judgment of a family member? And it's the same thing that, that happens a lot of times in the media where, you know, Britney Spears has to be placed under a conservatorship, but Kanye can have his butt out in oh. Italy Man alive. Ain't that the truth? No one's running around trying to get him uh, some trustees to watch over his money and to make sure he's not traveling the world wearing, you know, white people matter uh, T-shirts. And uh, I know it's a complete it really is. uh, It feels unfair to Sophie Turner personally. It is. Yeah. The messaging is not right. So I think most people are sad about their split. But it's just one of those things where you're like, be wary of these like, oh, insiders say she's a party monster. I'm like, no, I don't. Who knows that? And Oh, it's just, clickbait. It is. It is that. It is. And I'll fall for it. I'm an I'm no angel. Like, I'll fall for those things sometimes. But it was an IG exchange that I had that kind of changed my mind. Okay, tell like, me no, about that, it. We're not, we're not going to give up our sources. But tell no, me, tell me what the gist of that conversation was. The gist of the conversation was that you know, he is, he has done nothing but be really supportive of her and her for him, for his career. And she's talked openly about her struggles with depression. Who yes. knows it? Maybe it's postpartum depression or maybe not. Yeah. She had two kids back to back. She's from the UK. She's talked openly about wanting to move back to the UK. And, uh, and, and he's now he's US based and he has to be in LA for work. So there are just some logistical, regular life things that could make it complicated. And so this exchange I had with someone who said, you know, he's known as being a really nice guy in the industry and they're known for being an otherwise fairly happy couple. And so this just doesn't seem like the kind of news that his team would want to spin about her and they would want to be out there about his ex. So who is really putting those types of stories out there? It's probably not his camp. It sure as heck isn't hers. So it's just random clickbaity stuff, exactly as you said. So you have to be extra judgmental of it because it's not coming from anyone who actually knows the situation. Most likely. Well, reading anything these days, folks, you have to take a step back and realize mm-hmm. that there are so many journalists or people calling themselves journalists um, that are legitimately trying to get some traffic onto their sites they're trying to generate a buzz. And, you know, a lot of this stuff, it's unfortunate. It's hard enough going through a breaking up with, breakup without being a public person, without having children involved, young kids. So I wish them well. I, I hope that they both have supportive families. You know, you worry about someone who has talked about mental health issues. And listen, it is tough being uh, a public person. And uh, when you're young... If I think about getting married at that age, I would have been divorced five times over now. If I'd married, no, if I had married each of my serious relationships, and I'm talking three years, four years, five years, 10 years, so really the last uh, group of relationships that I've had over the last two decades, I thought were very serious. I was in love with these people. I never moved in with anybody, God forbid, but I knew myself well enough 
A, I would never get married. Um, and I just know my lifestyle and I'm not talking about party and I'm talking about traveling. I'm talking about all the stuff that I selfishly want to keep doing. But anyway, it's, uh, you know, going forward, I'm sure they'll get into new relationships and they'll have to navigate all that kind of stuff. But it's a cautionary tale, I think. And your point is well made about what happens when you get married and in the year 2023, getting married when you're, you know, 25 years old or whatever, yeah. and then quickly having two kids. That's young. That's like saying you're that's like 1934 the called. They want the relationship back. Yeah. You don't so, have to do that anymore. And was no. it an accidental pregnancy? Did they just There's get There's two pregnant? of them though, so I don't think so. Maybe the second one wasn't so accidental. But anyway, did when did she have the first baby? Let's can we do math? Can someone one of you super fans write us right in. They got married when and when did they have the baby? Anyway. Be critical of the things you read when they become these big stories because, you know, you talk to some insiders and they're like, I don't think it's really like that. Well, I'm sure we're gonna hear more about it as it unfolds mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the whole thing is Joe Jonas has secured a divorce lawyer. Like we're not hearing her side of the fence talking about that. You know, for someone who was very disinterested in this topic, I sure know more than I should. No, but it's good because then you have the perspective of like, let's look at this as just a regular human, non-famous relationship. If you get together young, you get married right away, and then you have two kids right away, you are leaving yourself in a place of kind of getting to know this person while the stakes are much higher. Mm -hmm. I waited a long time for a reason. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Speaking of, we got a couple minutes left in this this first segment, Um, um, wedding gifts. So it's, it's uh, a lot of my friends now who are, you know, 50s and 60s, their kids are getting married in droves. Yep. Um, they are in their, in their late 20s and early 30s. So they have waited, you know, most of these, most of the weddings that I'm going to now are late 20s, early 30s. And the wedding gift, I have been perplexed. So I'm asking the parents, I'm saying, what do they need? Because these people have lived together. These young relationships, they've been living together for three years, four years. Yeah. They moved in. They've bought houses already. So getting married, I guess that's what you do. Maybe it helps you with your taxes. You guys tell me. Yeah. So I've literally been the last two kids that got kids. The last two uh, wedding gifts for me have been two night stays at the Bamp Springs Hotel. The best gift ever. So this is just what I've been doing. I mean, you can certainly do one gift, but they really seem to like that. When I've offered that up, I'm like, listen, I've given this before. Would they want to go to the Bamp Springs for a night or two and just chill? And so that's going out great. So getting back to that whole gift thing, the experiences for younger people now getting married, the having an experience rather than a toaster seems to really be the thing. Do you, Would you agree? 1,000%. And, and because... It's, it's a line item in your monthly budget that if things are tight, you immediately eliminate. Okay. So when, when you're, when look at it's t- tight times right now with interest rates and inflation and everything else. And when you're just starting out and you've got mortgage payments, blah, 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 you aren't going to spend the money to go to the Banff Springs. You're just not going to, you're not going to spend the money to go out for a really nice dinner. Those are going to be things you cut back on earlier on when you're save, trying to save money. So that's a splurge from Aunt Jan that they would <laughs> never use themselves. And it's super memorable. And like you said, they've got those basics covered. And cash is great. Cash is king. No one's going to say no to it or be upset with it. But sometimes as the gift giver, you want it to be a little special and a little something more. And I think that is because we've been gifted that type of a of a gift for weddings or engagements or what have you. And we love it. And you can never go wrong with it. Just a final thought here. The last time I got somebody 
two nights at the Banff Springs Hotel was 2019, in the spring before COVID. And it was manageable. And I'm just going to tell you right now, it was around $775, two nights. Yeah, what's, what's it today? The shock that came in to me, so this is in November, it was about $1,300 with taxes and stuff. So yep. I'm just saying, so 500 bucks of a difference. Now, maybe it's the time of year. Anyway, you're listening to the Jan Orton Podcast and show. We have lots of things to talk about. Um, a dog going to the Metallica concert. Uh, <laughs> the uh, Great Wall of China being breached. Uh, I'm here with Caitlin Green. We are back. We are mighty. Don't go away. You're listening to the Jan Arden Podcast and show. Welcome back to the Jan Arden Podcast and Show. Caitlin Green is here with me. She is in her home in Toronto, Ontario. I am in Springbank, Alberta. We are both home today. What's Young Will doing? Is he sleeping? Is he snoozing? Is he in daycare? What's happening with him? Young Will is at daycare, enjoying <laughs> his uh, enjoying his farm animals or maybe reading or playing with some balls. Those are his top three activities right now. So he's probably doing that. Okay. So you must have seen the news about 50 children going to the hospital here in Alberta. Yeah. Uh, with E. coli. And all these, all these daycares shared a, a common kitchen. Okay. Do you worry about things like that? Sending your child off to daycare? Like, uh, all the time. You worry about everything <laughs> under the sun. I you know. Worry I, about- I don't even know why I'm bringing this up. I'm terrible. Anything, anything you see involving children ever, like in life, you, this could be a, a missing child story from 1980. Okay. And it hits you like an arrow to your heart and brain. So you just, yeah, of course you worry about absolutely everything. And then you can't take it all in. So you have to stop yourself from reading some of those headlines and not digging into the story. I want to be aware enough to try to protect him as much as I can, but then you got to cut it off. But my gosh, a lot of these daycares do that. They use one food prep service. And so I can see how this would happen. And it's the same thing that happens. in you know, you always hear about Uh, outbreaks around packaged lettuce because one processing facility will be contaminated and then a whole host of people get sick. So that's, that's what happens with our food chain being the way it is now. I've never had E. coli, but I do have friends that have had it traveling. And like you said, lettuce, you know, the most inconspicuous thing in the darn world. And you think, oh, lettuce, what a healthy, lettuce is a huge culprit, like bagged salads and stuff like that. Why are they feeding children? And I wonder what they were eating. The things that I know from when I was surprised at when I was pregnant, because that's a huge concern, right, is getting food poisoning. So I always think in my head, oh, no one's having sushi. And my OB was like, actually, sushi's probably fine because we're not close to the ocean. So it's being shipped here. Thus, it has to be flash frozen, frozen. Which, which would kill the bacteria. What you're really worried about is uh, deli meats, number one, and Ooh, then and, well, that's and also off my list. yeah, for sure, and should be off most people's list because it's also just generally speaking not very good for you if it has nitrates in it. But then the other piece of it is um, lettuce and especially sprouts, the like Brussels sprouts and all those they micro sprouts, with, microgreens. It, yeah, well, yeah, and the, but specifically um, alfalfa sprouts. They can harbor really, really I'm harmful throwing bacteria. mine out. I just bought some. So your higher risk stuff is going to be weird salads, like a weird pre-made salad, pre-baked lettuce, and then deli meats usually. Okay. Note to self. Listen, moving on. Uh, a dog, a dog, a husky by the looks of this photograph that I'm looking at. They call him a music-loving dog escaped <laughs> from uh, their home 
and snuck into a Metallica concert in California. It was oh no, German Shepherd named Storm. And mm-hmm. he he was taken to a shelter after they found him sitting in a seat during uh, a Metallica show at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood. The band said um, that it was great that she had a wonderful time listening to her favorite songs. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. They, reta- they renamed some of the, uh, the song titles to Barks Eterna, Master of Puppies, and The Mailman That Never Comes. Okay. So anyway, I thought that was a cute story. I would be so freaked out to know that my dog, I went, how did a dog get into the stadium for one thing? Well, and I'm also sitting here thinking, I can't imagine, imagine you performing for a whole like audience of dogs. I think you would actually like that. An audience of dogs. Well, you know, it's not, it's not far from the truth. Uh, (laughs) No, I, I, I actually, I have such great, such a great audience. Sometimes it's alarming to me how quiet they are. Like I've been, I've been looking at Taylor Swift Eros tour clips and the cheering and the singing to have 80,000 people singing every word. Um, if you sang along at one of my shows, people would probably be mad. Uh, I don't know if it's the certain age, but you would literally be shushed. People would be mad. The, the usher would show up. One time, many years ago, probably 15 years ago, I was in, I believe, North Bay. Two women were sitting in about the fifth, sixth row. I couldn't really see them. They started singing along to the songs, like right out of the gate. They would clearly had a few drinks, which is fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, the people in front of them were going to have none of it. And an actual physical fight ensued. And <gasps> it's the first time in my life the house lights went on. And a lot of people were laughing and they were cheering and they, they, they hauled all four of them out. So the two people that were annoyed by the singing and the two people that were like, we're going to effing sing if we effing want to. And it was literally hair pulling, punching. It was four women. So there you go. And they were removed. The whole audience started clapping. And then we proceeded to do the show. And that is the only time in my career I have had a heart attack. I had a gentleman have a heart attack one time. So the house lights went on and he was taken out on a stretcher. And I said, shall we keep going? And people were like, yes, please. And a little bit of uncomfortable laughter. The gentleman was fine He because everyone was checking and, uh, you know, someone was screaming out, what happened to the guy? Like three quarters of the way through the show. And I'm like, we will find out for you. And just at the very end of the show, I said, uh, he's at the hospital. He's fine. He's with his family. And, you know, you guys got to be very careful. You, we were all getting up there. I said to them, you got to think twice about coming to my shows. We're not getting any younger. No, I'm going to sing good mother. And you're going to just feel it in your feels so deep that you uh, keel over. <laughs> I'm glad the dog had a great time. And um, concert etiquette is finicky, though, because there are some artists who who encourage different types of behaviors at their shows. Like some artists love you to sing along, but then fans around you, as you said, don't want you to sing along. Um, and then I went to go see Adele and everyone's standing up and like, woo. And then she's like, please sit down, everyone. This is going to be a long show. And it's got, I've got a lot of ballads and like everyone laughed. Cause she was like, you don't need to stay on your feet for hello kind yeah. of thing. And then, but people were belting it out to her songs. And that happened when I went to go see Celine Dion as well. What was and the general people, consensus story in the audience? Like some good, some people band together and they're singing to each other from across the aisle. 
And then other people around them are like, can you give it a rest? And it becomes concert etiquette. I I mean, usually people around me, they do sing a good mother and I can hear them on a few songs, you know, which is always so great for me because it's an anomaly for one thing. It's not the norm. Um, Another story, very similar kind of uh, line of thinking. Miranda Lambert was doing a show. I'm not sure where I can't, uh, I don't recall, but there was a group of women that had gotten dressed up, gone for dinner. They were in the VIP seat. So they had paid an incredible amount of money to be like in the first three rows. These girls had their backs to Miranda, you know, the six of them, the arm out trying to get the selfie. And Miranda stopped the song that she was singing. It was one of her bigger songs. And, um, literally kind of shamed them in front of the entire audience. I was extremely uncomfortable with it and disappointed. I just felt like you wanted to be disruptive. Well, that was the most disruptive thing that I can imagine doing. I would never do that. If there was someone taking a selfie in front of me, I would, I don't care what song it was. I don't care if it was insensitive. I don't care if it was hanging by a thread or good mother. I can't tell you how many times I have bent down with my microphone and smiled in between words to a cheering crowd that are so grateful for kindness, understanding. They snap their picture and they just, they're just the joy. Imagine the memories that those girls are going away with. Never mind that. They've probably paid upwards of two, three, four, five hundred dollars for VIP tickets, I would imagine. Yeah. Those packages can be extraordinarily expensive. That's not how you treat your VIPs. Bend down, take the shot, move on. Like- but a lot of people were defending they were defending her, you know, uh that the people that they were standing in front of, the picture takes a second. They weren't going to keep standing. They were going to take their picture and sit down. So the picture was published a couple of days later. And there was definitely two two very different camps. They were all smiling. Miranda was very focused in the back. They weren't doing it of them. They were trying to get a picture of themselves with Miranda. She wasn't excluded from it. Yeah, it was a really cute picture, and I just thought, what a what a kind of jaded memory to have going forward now. So yeah, concert etiquette. What what is it like? What's acceptable? The Beatles couldn't hear a word they sang in nineteen sixty seven. Or whenever they were out, I'm probably dating myself. But they imagine the, the gear was so inferior to what sound gear is now in those big stadiums. All the girls did was scream from the time they walked out there to the time they left. And Paul McCartney has talked about how incredibly frustrating it was. He said they didn't even want to do it anymore. Oh, yeah. You know, they were musicians. They wanted people to listen to them. So where is that line? I know Taylor encourages it. She's never, I've never read anything in the press as far as her saying, or in the, you know, saying a comment of like, everybody, you know, just everyone's trying to listen. She's never said one word. They got bracelets that light up. They're, everyone's dressed up. She wants that vibe and she cultivates it. And I think that's why people get so excited to see her show. That's why she has now a concert movie coming out, obviously, because the energy is cinematic level. So I don't know. I'm, I would go the Taylor Swift route over Miranda Lambert, but that's just me. I say don't, don't bemoan your VIPs. If you listen to the Jan Arden podcast and show. Uh, we got lots to talk about. I want to talk about the the Great Wall of China just being plowed over. We're going to talk about that and oh, so much more when we get back. You're listening to the Jan Arden Podcast and Show. I'm here with Caitlin Green. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Jan Arden Podcast and Show. Caitlin and I were just saying on the break how quickly these segments go by. It is like lightning. 
Uh, luckily for us, there's always a never ending barrage of things to speak about in this world. TikTok, you either love it or hate it. I'm, I am a fan. I don't do a lot of stories myself, but I did. I hopped on to a hashtag TikTok trend. Oh gosh, three weeks ago, my friend Leah Gauthier was here who works, worked with me on the Jan show. She's so funny and so talented and she shoots videos of me all the time. Anyway, we got onto the Taylor Swift clip of people picking up their dogs with their phones wrapped around their heads and spinning your pet around. So I did that with Poppy. I literally had a headband holding my phone on my head and spun him around and he was completely perplexed by what I was doing. Anyway, hundreds of millions of views and clips that still is ongoing of people even trying to pick up their boxers or their German shepherds or their huskies to spin them around. So this newest uh, trend is parents cracking eggs on their children's head. So there's been almost 700 million views in the last few days on TikTok. The hashtag is egg prank. Please don't go out and do this. If you're listening, please don't pause this podcast and go and crack an egg. So it's basically you're the mother's in the kitchen with the child. I can't wait to hear what you think about this. And they're doing some baking, I guess. And they're like, okay, mommy's going to crack an egg now. And they crack it on the kid's head. And then I guess hilarity ensues. Uh, for the most part, it's children crying. And now physicians are warning parents or anyone doing this that you could literally hurt your child. It seems benign, but cracking an egg on your kid's head could do some damage. So, Caitlin, new mother, go. It's the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> yes, something you'll never see me do with Will. I just, first of all, it seems inherently kind of mean. Like, I don't think the kid's going to suffer some sort of long-lasting emotional damage. But I do think it's reflective of, like, maybe you're a little too comfortable being a jerk to your kid to get views on TikTok. And that's really what it is. Be a jerk to your kid and then hopefully a couple people click on the egg challenge hashtag and then see your profile and what at best like it. It's just, it's too much. Everyone just wants to have their like moment in the sun for anything they can possibly find. And if it means giving your kid salmonella poisoning through their soft spot. Of okay. Their bed, it's so funny that you say that. Dr. Megan Martin, a pediatric emergency medical consultant at John Hopkins mm-hmm. has 12 million followers on TikTok. And she said, not a fan of this at all. This is not something that benefits kids in any way. And I honestly don't find it entertaining. We are literally watching people smacking salmonella on their kids' foreheads. So, and going back to the whole thing, you know, kids, kids have enough stuff to contend with without something getting into their mouth or on their heads or in their ears or eyeballs. Like, so let's just... If that was me and I was a kid, I would immediately just think so much less of my parent for setting up a phone cracking an egg on my head and then later you see the video I'd uh, later like later in life and in that moment I think knowing myself back in the day I'd be like you're a loser for this <laughs> like that's just what it comes down to you're embarrassing your kid in your kitchen hoping that what ha- what is the outcome of this I don't know I don't like it but people, people have-, have monetized this is what's happening now um and it's pretty much on all formats Instagram is is guilty as well maybe not for the prank stuff that's really a TikTok thing yeah. Remember Periscope back in the day when you had 20 yes. seconds? There were some very clever Periscope artists that put together these. It seemed impossible. But anyway, um, people are monetizing like their their self-esteem, 
uh, how they value themselves, how they see themselves in the world, um, if they have any status. You know, here's ordinary people, otherwise ordinary people that are having millions of followers and brand partnerships and making money, uh, unlike they've never seen in their lives, doing really questionable things, whether it's everything from, you know, makeup stuff to cracking an egg on your child's heads. I mean, when there's people getting seven, 800,000 views for a prank gone wrong with your child that people are finding funny, if that's how you are expressing or calculating your value in this world, we really have to rethink things. Yeah. Um, I, I had somebody say to me at dinner the other day, um, a friend of mine, she goes, God, you know, I, I just wonder what's after TikTok? What's next? And we always think the pinnacle has been met. Like we've clumbed to the top of the, of, of the social media mountain. But what is next in TikTok? We're always kind of looking at, you know, the Asian belt for the technology stuff coming out of there. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I wish people had more faith in just living their lives and they didn't need complete strangers to tell them by, you know, how many likes they're getting and they're checking it constantly. How many likes, how many views do I have? And people are spending, and I'm not kidding you. I just, I just read a statistic about young people are, are spending 10 hours a day on TikTok. Oh my god! And they're really trying, they're really trying to figure out how to, you know, can a government step in and say, this is, it's going to shut down automatically on your child's phone? Like, or do parents actually get in there and say, you've got two hours or do they just completely stop them from doing it altogether? I don't know. It'd be hard to be a parent. I don't look forward to navigating that at all. And I, I certainly don't think it's easy, but I do think a lot of these new, the video content por portion of it, less the like still images, but the video contents, the reels, all that stuff. Um, what it can do is give positive reinforcement to kind of embarrassing cringe behavior. And so people get all these views for doing something that's kind of embarrassing and cringy, but of course someone's going to look at it. Then they think, Oh, Oh, this is good. I could be the next insert TikTok. I'm worth name. something. Yeah. And so when you, when you, when you say to yourself, Oh, 700,000 people have seen this. I'm like 700,000 people have seen a lot of things on the internet that does not a celebrity make. And, and what you are doing is kind of just jumping in, in a way that I don't think equals good content or uplifting content. And it doesn't all have to be that. And people have gotten a kick out of prank shows. Like there's a reason America's funny. Some videos was successful yes. for so long, but just you want to be aware of what you're putting out there and what it says about you. And I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to cast that vibe onto my kid or be like, I'm the parent who laughs at their kid while potentially giving them salmonella poisoning. Like, I don't know. And it's also part of it really like for lack of a better term, it's just dumb. Look up anything on TikTok, like any weird combination of things that you can imagine in your head and just search it. N nude nun riding elephant. You'll probably find them. For sure. Please don't look up nude nuns riding elephants. <laughs> I, I did oh not God. did not mean that. It's blasphemy. <laughs> but I mean, there's there's no end to it. Um, I might spend, and I'm not kidding. I'm I'm really I'm 15 minutes max. I'll, I'll look at a few things, and a lot of times Leah will send me something that she's just like, I know you're not on there very often, but you just got to see this, and it's legitimately clever and funny of somebody doing, or it's a recipe, 
Like Leah's like, this yeah. looks so good. We have to make this. Those I like. Yeah. That aspect of all the social media stuff. I love getting great recipes. I mm-hmm. love seeing activities. Like I follow the city of Calgary. I follow the city of Edmonton. Um, I saw, I follow Toronto. I follow Vancouver because a lot of times they have really special things that I would never know about in a million years. So I love that aspect of it. And I'm sitting here having this conversation with you when I picked up my dog three weeks ago, tied a phone to my forehead and spun him around. But you have to admit that that's kind of cute content that probably uplifts people versus maybe making your child barf. I would not crack an egg on my dog's head, never mind a child's head. But I'm trying to picture, picture your mom or dad sitting you in a kitchen with a, a, a camera on you, cracking an egg on your head. Like think back to the 90s, you know, the 80s. You're like, it's an unimaginable thing. And you wonder how societies crumble to the ground. You wonder, <laughs> you wonder why things get to this point where it's just like, that's it. Like what trend is it going to be that literally really hurts a whole bunch of people. People die taking selfies every single day. Like, honestly, the thing is, thank God, if you talk to your average person, I bet you if you had, if you were having this conversation with anyone, nine out of 10 of them would say, that's so stupid. Like people would think it's dumb. I mean, and thank goodness they do. So there's obviously the the dumb minority that tend to wreck things for the rest of us and make us go, oh God, are we really going down this rabbit hole in, in terms of our brains? But I, I still feel like your average person would be united with us in the sense of don't crack an egg on, egg on your child's head and, and leave them alone. <laughs> well, then you have to also take into account the 700 million people that are hitting like the 700 million. Are they people. liking it or are they watching it? They're watching it and, and people are getting likes and, and, and you're right. Maybe they're not liking it because that's a different thing. See, here, here's my little, very little understanding of, of TikTok. I think the, the likes and the views are, are different things and views, views mean so little because I mean, it just really can actually tell you that people are either searching for that or the algorithm served it to them. So they're not actively seeking it out. They don't necessarily even want it. But is it thrown in their face via their phone? Yeah, it is. Can you explain to me a little bit? Because we are a science-based show. Yeah. <laughs> a deeply what, what is the What is an algorithm? I, I know that you can speak to that better than I can. And because people hear this word all the time and they wonder why they're seeing what they're seeing. Can you, can you speak to that? Yeah. Your phone wants to give you content that you engage with. Your phone wants to give you content that it thinks you like, because it knows you'll spend more time on that app using it. If it's giving you things that you're interested in. So when you like something, when you watch it, when you save it, when you send it to someone else, when you comment on it, when you engage with that content, you're going to see more and more and more of it. So all of a sudden you like a couple dog videos. Well, now your whole explore page is dog videos. Well, thank God, because it is. So, but that's what I'm saying. You can rework that algorithm to your benefit. You don't want to see something anymore. Start unfollowing it. Say, I don't want to see this. Give that app the feedback so it can cater the content that you want. And if you don't like something, don't engage with it. Say, I don't want to see this. And if you like something, like it, save it, send it, do all that stuff. Caitlin, don't unfollow me. I never will. You're listening to the Jan Arden Podcast and Show. I'm here with Caitlin Green. Let's talk about bears drinking White Claw when we get back. We are not sponsored by the White Claw people, although we would accept any generous offers that they have. Don't go away. Jan Arden Podcast and Show. Caitlin and I will be right back. Welcome back. Boy, 
This has gone by so quickly. I feel like I just signed on with you and started talking to you five minutes ago. But that's the way the world goes these days. Uh, time is flying. Bear breaks into Florida family's screen porch, screen porch, folks, not their house, and drinks three white claws. Mm-hmm. Never mind that. The story gets even weirder. This would so freak me out. A three-legged bear. He, not only what did he drink three white claws, he only had three legs. Um, the enclosed porch helped itself to three white claws from the porch fridge. The people that lived there said their 13-year-old son, Joseph, was inside the home when the family dog started barking, like uncontrollably, much like you've heard here today, only it was a guy fixing stuff at my house. Security camera footage and cell phone video recorded by 13-year-old Joseph shows the three-legged bear, known to neighbors as Tripod, of course he is, breaking through the screen into the home's lanai. He ate the fish food we had outside next to our fish tank and then proceeded to the bar. He took three white claws, drank them, and left very happy. His favorite flavor is mango and strawberry. Oh, my gosh. He watched the bear open the fridge. Like, it's literally on a video. Folks, you can look this up. Just look up Tripod the Bear Drinking White Claw. You will find it. And you will see this bear. How does he know... I was not scared, says Joseph, because we know the bear really well. He lives here. We we respect their habitat. What is wrong with that sentence? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think there is, and maybe I'm incorrect, but I do think historically there are some animals who will actively seek out intoxicants. You know, this bear could be smarter than we're giving it credit for. Maybe it thought to itself, when I bust open that (laughs) fruit-flavored aluminum shell... Some good stuff comes out and then I have a real party. Like we don't know, but I think there are some animals. I feel like, did I read somewhere that elephants and and moose have been known to excessively consume fermented apples or a fermented- lot of A lot of animals do. Deer eat uh, fermented berries and they can be really hammered and falling all over the place. Yeah. So this isn't, this based on my limited, very limited knowledge of those types of stories- I'm like, I'm not altogether surprised. And it probably tasted pretty good. I mean, I've had a White Claw. Those are good flavors. I kind of, I don't know. And when you see, I saw images of the can. The can is truly sliced open with its claw. It's as if it shotgunned it. Like, that's what it looks like. <laughs> it looks like it stabbed a hole in it. And then but it makes back. you wonder, how did he lose his leg? <laughs> was he <laughs> Was he drinking and driving? Like, Take this is a warning to all you people out there. Don't drink and drive. Don't end up like tripod. He <laughs> might have got he might have gotten hammered and rolled down a hill and lost his leg. But how does a how does a bear lose their leg in nature and carry on? Was he born with three legs? Like this is what my mind is going to. That's what I would think. I don't think he lost his leg. Although I have many deer here over the years that I have seen with grievous leg injuries that come back year after year. And and there's a couple, one in particular, I remember, a male deer that was such an interesting guy. His leg was so wounded, busted for a long time. I, I saw him the next spring and it was just kind of dangling there. Um, it had It had kind of died, but he... It didn't fall off or anything miraculous like that. It literally lost the musculature, lost circulation, and just kind of hung there. And he worked around it. 
I mean, nature is incredible. If you've been watching my uh, Instagram story, I've been clocking and following a deer that had a massive wound on its buttocks on the right-hand side in the back. So something literally took a bite out of this deer that was so massive. You've seen it, Caitlin. Mm -hmm. And so this was 12 weeks ago. It is a quarter of the size now. He's back every couple of, or she's back every couple of days. And it has healed. I thought, no, this isn't good. I'm probably not going to see this deer again. And day after day, week after week, she has come back and licked the salt block and kind of looked at me. And I'm like, you're doing so good. It's really healing up so great. Good for you. And I fully expect to see her at some point today. But it's it's looks really good. And people are like, oh, my God, that looks terrible. Why are you showing that? I'm like, you should have seen it three months ago, lady. And you're like, also, this is my account. And I like deer wounds and I'll show them if I want to. <laughs> but I, I really am mindful. I mean, we, when you have a bear in your porch, I, my uh, friend Sandy that I work with at Bruce Allen's office, they have uh, they, she lives in Whistler. She lives in Whistler full time. Her boys are huge skiers. Um, but anyway, they've one time they left a door open. And if it's a handle that they can push down, they know. Yeah, they do. They're smart, right? My friend's dog opens their door constantly unless they lock it because it's one of those handles that you just pull down. It's not a doorknob. Hmm. And she said it was the, that she said the bear made such a mess in their house, like ripped cupboards apart, flour everywhere, like just demolish fridge door open stuff. Uh, pair like the the pantry. So if I had a bear in here, I I cannot tell you what to. I would just. I don't know what I would do. Well, they say that like they're so comfortable with this bear, it's familiar to us, and we know it in the neighborhood. I'm like, I don't want to know a bear. I don't want to be on a first name basis with a bear because I just think of remember that documentary Grizzly Man where oh. that guy was like living with the <gasps> bears and then they ate him and then they got it on. They have the his audio his of it. his camera was running. They didn't see it, but when the camera dropped to the ground, it was still filming. And I remember that in the documentary, the documentary maker said to his partner, don't ever, ever listen to this. And and Werner Herzog, listen to it. He's a crazy guy. Anyways, so I think of that because this guy got real comfy with bears. And at the end of the day, they are wild animals. And I do not want them getting comfortable rooting around my wine fridge in my lanai of Florida for a white claw like I wouldn't want that so yeah I mean I wouldn't want a bear roaming around just gonna, especially a drunk one with three legs what's it capable of looking at the video which I was doing as we were speaking he's really slow he just kind of hops it's the front left leg that's missing mm-hmm. and I'm just like I don't know I feel bad young Joseph 13 year old Joseph had the wherewithal to stay in place where he was not engage this thing but it's very possible. I have a bear that comes through every spring. I don't know if it's the same one. I'm on the river. Animals walk along the river. It's like the highway. But one day that I was screaming for Mitty, this is when Mitty was still alive, screaming at her to come in. And she was scared, but she was barking at this bear. And I have a glass railing. It's three feet high as they are. And the bear was hanging off of there, just looking in at us like, Oh, I'd sure like to come in there. That looks like really nice. Maybe you got some stuff in there that I might like. But my, I just remember my heart just pounding and I got Mitty in the house and shut the door and I didn't even stand by the glass because I didn't want the bear to see me. So I kind of like, peeked, I peeked through the kitchen, but he, 
at one point I thought, no, he's coming over. He's coming over. And he didn't. And I used to keep birdseed in my screened-in porch. I kept it in a gar- in a plastic garbage bin with a lid. And after that one day with the bear, I went out there, I grabbed that bin, and I took it, and I locked it into the garage. I thought, I'm never leaving birdseed out here again. There's no, like, if I see a bear, I'm doing everything I can to de-bear my house. Because ultimately... <laughs> Like, and I also think if I, I'd be one of those people where if I had a cottage and I was out in the wilderness where I saw bears, like I would probably have bear spray or a shotgun. Cause I'm like, I am not messing around with the bear. I saw that movie Grizzly Man and clearly it made an impression on me. I'm not getting eaten. No, it is. And you, I haven't heard of any maulings this year, but during COVID, just a lot of people hiking, there was some, there was a couple of deaths in Alberta and BC of people being attacked and killed by a bear. It does happen. And uh, I'm really, really careful. And I've said on the show before that when I do spot the bear, I actually drive my car to my garden, which is about 100 yards from my house. Mm. I park it in front of the garden. I get out and water the garden and get back into my car. And call me crazy. I just don't do it. And I won't walk the dog down the road either until I know he's not around, until I haven't seen him for like two weeks. Um I hope we have time for one last little bit because I think this is so funny. China is obviously one of the biggest tourist attractions that it has is the Great Wall of China, which is a feat of human engineering that required hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people to build it. Um, it, it goes around China. China is a big country. Well, not around it, but you know what I mean? The wall separates yeah. China from other countries. So two workers were arrested. For digging a shortcut through the Great Wall of China. They arrested two construction workers. They used an, an excavator to dig a hole <laughs> through the Great Wall of China, a UNESCO heritage site uh, in central uh, Jiangxi province. province. Um, the Cultural Relics Bureau said that the two people used the es- excavator to dig a shortcut. It dates back to the 13th century and uh i don't know like what 38 year old man 55 year old woman i just uh, what what would possess you to go oh i know a shortcut let's just knock this part of the wall down it is beyond repair no kidding it's crazy they probably did it for tiktok i don't know people are dumb unesco world 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 heritage site 1987 uh, the wall runs 13,000 miles across the country, beginning construction in 220 BC. It's stunning. Had continu- continuously been built until the 17th century. Anyway, I wonder what's going to happen to them. We probably will never hear from them again. I was just going to say they're going to be doing a lot of digging, um, but probably not by choice. <laughs> like they're probably going to be in a, like they're probably doing hard labor. Let's be honest. <laughs> let's be honest. Um yeah. What were they doing a shortcut to? If anyone has any any further news on this story of where what they were taking a shortcut to, were they building a road? Like, how do these things even happen? How do these things happen? Don't dig through a UNESCO World Heritage Site and one of the great wonders of the world. And also don't crack an egg into your kid's face people and, and lock it's up your enough. white claw yeah it is lock up your white claw and don't don't let bears hang out with you and then eat you god only knows <laughs> what caitlin and i are going to uncover next week sarah 
We'll be back. She's still gone. She's been in Greece. Look at her Instagram. She's having a great time. You know, Caitlin and I can barely work the buttons. We can barely work the buttons. But here we you are. You see what I'm not doing. <laughs> I'm not what I'm not capable of. But listen, um, thanks for listening. Hit that subscribe button. Give us a review. We'd appreciate five stars. We'd appreciate six stars, even though there's only five. Um, we will pop up in your feed, even without you searching for us week after week after week. We have been here for hundreds of shows. We are well into our, we don't even, we're call. I guess this is, this is our second season. We're still calling this season two. We're over the same age as the Great Wall of China at this point. <laughs> uh, we'll see you next week, Caitlin. Always great to see you. Say hi to young Will. Cutest baby in the world. Um, <laughs> you can listen to us on iHeart or anywhere that you stream your favorite podcast materials. We'll see you next time. Toodly do. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.